Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 111, recorded live January 4th, 2013. On today's show, a quick look at the state of telematics, parking douche, that's enough said, I think, and a great campaign for meatpacking Guatemala, plus our usual M&A and funding activity, our resource of the week, and special guest Greg McAllister, co-founder and CEO of Pushpoint Mobile. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 111 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. It is the new year. It's going to be tough for me to do this. January 4th, 2013. Is it 2013? 2013? Whatever. January 4th. It is our first episode of the brand new year. My name, Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, but serving the entire planet. And with me, located in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Mr. Steve Khan. How are you, buddy? Hey, hey, hey. Happy 2013. Yeah, I don't even know. What is it uh, yeah, called? Is it Steve Khan from the Location Based Marketing Association? Looking forward to another fantastic year. 52 more episodes on the way, and it all starts right Boy, now. Boy, does it ever. I, I, I'm still, I'm a little leery. Is it 2013, 2013? Is it like the same as 2012? It takes us a little bit of time to get used to it, but. 2013. Let's 2013. Uh, you know, we had some a great reaction last week from our predictions show, which I expected that there would be a great reaction. I think the one that stuck Asif was the "Hey, data is the new oil." I saw that everywhere all of a sudden from from that episode. So I, uh, it was well received. If you guys haven't watched it yet, you should go out and, and download episode number 110 to see what our predictions are and the two companies that we think you guys should be watching or that will be, I don't know, what canaries in this coal mine of location-based marketing for 2013. So it'll be, uh, if you haven't done that, please go and do it and let us know what you think. It's now available up on Street Fight Mag, of course, and GPS Business News, our partners in syndication, also known as our partners in crime. You have a good New Year's there, buddy? Was it good? Yeah, pretty good, pretty quiet. Uh, you know, just uh, took it easy, uh, saw a movie, went out with the kids, you know, pretty, pretty simple stuff. So, uh, you know, it was, it, it, for me, it was all about being home and not traveling, yes. not going anywhere. So, yeah. Getting acquainted with your family. Exactly. Setting them up for what is about to become a pretty hectic schedule. I know that you are heading to New York City for the Street Fight Mag uh, uh, Summit, aren't you, next week? Yes, so the, that, that week of the, uh, not oh. this week coming, but uh, or, uh, but the week following, the week of the 14th is, uh, is a big week in New York. We have uh, the NRF, uh, National Retail Federation's big show. Um, uh, and also the street fights on it uh, the same week, so it's going to be crazy times in New York City. And you don't you don't go to CES or any of those ones, do you? I, I have in the past. I'm not going this year, um, but uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of retailers that, uh, that we work with uh, that are going to be there. So I think it's going to be a good show this year. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think for once it's going to be. I, I um, I, you know, I, I I haven't been in many years, but I often find that there. I mean, you go there with an agenda and and to get some business done, but. Uh, Yes, yeah. yes, it's it's the new season is upon us. And so with it comes, you know, I would say that this was a, because we didn't do a news show last week, because we did our predictions, there's been so much news that is kind of piled up over, over this holiday. You know, the retail season was kind of, I don't think it was a bust, but I just don't think that it was as good as people anticipated. And if, if, 
the inbox is any indication. Uh, I mean, I have received a sale email from the Gap group of companies, Banana Republic, uh, the Gap, and uh, Old Navy, every single day, outdoing the previous day's discounts and coupons. And I think that, wow, it, just by that alone tells me that retail's in turmoil. And, uh, and it wasn't as good a season as they'd anticipated. And plus, uh, I, I don't think that uh, that is has echoed, obviously, across this industry. It's just, you know, I mean, it must have been brutal for a lot of these companies this, this past, uh, these past few weeks. And then the fiscal cliff, and then the NHL lockout. And oh my God, there's nothing going on. So except for in the location-based marketing world, is that true? And then you got Canada losing oh. in the World Juniors. Like, come on! No, I'm just. Well, kidding. yeah, you know, it depends. Um, uh, I, I don't. You know what? I don't think that there was as a big emotional attachment to this tournament. For those of you who are on well, hockey fans, I mean, we're Canadian. We have to bring it up. Is that uh, because the games are being? I mean, in, they're in Russia. No offense to our Russian listener, the one out there, or two, but. Uh, the games are being broadcast here in Canada at 3.30 in the morning. And uh, the bronze medal game is tomorrow morning, Saturday morning at 3.30 in the morning. So, uh, you know, we it, it's not as, as attached as, as if we were watching in prime time. And I think it kind of went un, unnoticed a lot in, in Canada, but except for this ridiculous lockout. Somebody, Chris Saka posted a, a retweeted somebody who said that, listen, you know what? Uh, fiscal cliff averted, um, I don't know. You know, nine trips to the space station. There was a whole bunch of, uh, you know, um, negotiations with oil workers and uh, electricians and other, uh, you, you know, other striking, uh, you know, teachers. And this what this happened in the in, in this 110 days that the NHL strike has been on. And we still can't come to an agreement on about a stupid sports game. You know, it's just it's so ridiculous. Anyways, had to put it in there as, as a Canadian. Why don't we jump into this week's? Yeah. Let's do it. Big show, uh, you, you know, certainly uh, we've got a, uh, a mix of big companies, small companies, some great news from Google. I don't know what this means to Navtech and Apple. We're going to talk about a little bit about the mapping world. We've got some really awesome story from Meatpack, which is a, uh, what is it, a Guatemalan shoe company. Uh, yeah. this, this campaign is awesome, and we've got a great video to showcase that. Uh, great site out of Russia called Parking Douche, and <laughs> just not a word of a lie. Wait, see, after you just said we have like two viewers in exactly. Russia, well, <laughs> we decided to put us. I decided to pull a story uh, from Russia this week to kind of up the numbers there. So there you uh, go. I mean, this is a great story, and then uh, I, I mean, I can't wait. We'll show you. Uh, we'll show you a video of that as well, and then uh, some news from local here. Patch and Starbucks talking about the fiscal cliff, uh, trying to avert the fiscal cliff, which was averted. For those of you who didn't know, you can come out of your bunker now. The world is not ending, and nor is the financial collapse imminent in the United States. And then of course, Rome. So we got our usual funding uh, and acquisition news, a great resource about starting in the world of uh, customer experience in mobile payment. And then, of course, we've got uh, Greg McAllister, who is the co-founder and CEO of Pushpoint Mobile. And uh, that's all in this episode. Who knew that we would be able to do a January 4th episode with so much stuff? Let's get it going. Our first story. Now, the fiscal cliff is over. Everything's fine. But uh, Patch and Starbucks took it upon themselves, too. I think this was led by Patch. But took took it yes. upon themselves to see what they could do to influence uh, somehow uh, fixing the debt with a whole bunch of initiatives, localized initiatives around the Washington D.C. area. Why don't you dive into this and see if let us know what this was? Yeah, so I mean, Patch is a company that uh, you know personally. I, you know, I, I've been waiting for them to uh, to step up and do something really amazing. And you know, this is certainly not that's something that's really amazing. But I expect big things from Patch in 2013. I think this is going to be their year. 
where they hung around. You know, I, I, last year in the prediction show, like the 2012 prediction show, I said this was a company that uh, you know was was going to uh, you know fall in dire times. They didn't do a lot last year, um, but they're still here. They hung around, and I think this is this year actually uh, is a year that they're we're going to see some uh, some good things from them in terms of really hyper local uh, news and publishing and uh, and all kinds of great stuff. And so they partner with uh, Starbucks, uh, you know, around the fiscal cliff stuff. So this is actually a story from before it actually all got solved because we we're still catching up here. Uh, but uh, what they did was is they they worked with a, a bunch of Starbucks locations in the Washington D.C. area. And uh, as people came in to get their uh, their Starbucks coffee in the morning or whatever day time of day it was, the employees would write a simple message, a handwritten message on the cup uh, that said, "Come together." And uh, and so they were trying to encourage, you know, you know the uh, you know all, all of the politicians that were coming into the Starbucks locations, you know, and, and picking up their their cup of coffee, you know, with this little message that way to to show that, you know. People care. People are following this stuff. It's you know, it's not just you politicians locked in a room there that are trying to figure this out, but everybody's concerned about this. And Patch was you know basically providing coverage around that, um, you know, on a, on a localized way through their various channels. So, um, you know, non-national thing, you know, localized to Washington D.C. area uh, for for sure. But uh, you know, nice to see you know two big organizations, uh, you know, AOL and Patch, uh, and on the one side, uh, and Starbucks on the other, kind of coming together to try and do something, try and bring visibility to the issue. Yeah, nothing, nothing wrong with this. Nothing more to say about it, other than I mean, it, it is a location-based marketing initiative. It's only in the Washington area. How I many like eight, eight Starbucks or nine Starbucks did this? And I like the personal touch of writing it on uh, on the cups. Uh, and look, it worked. Way to go, Patch and Starbucks. You averted yeah. the fiscal cliff. Nice. I was saying to Asif right before we we uh, we went to went to record this is that you know I think that if if corporations really wanted to do something they would step up and donate some of their their own profits that are coming out of our pockets out of a four dollar cup of coffee to averting the fiscal cliff because they're talking about that you know it was it would have been sixteen hundred dollar an average of sixteen hundred dollar increase in yearly taxes for every homeowner or every uh, resident in the United States, I think it was. And um, hey, that's probably what somebody spends at Starbucks. So give back. But they averted it. So Patch and Starbucks join to solve the fiscal cliff issue. Is that a good sense? That's what's going to be the title of this uh, this episode. There you go. Story number two. This is, you know, I, I'm not I'm not so sure about this one. This is a company called Roams that has leveraged um, Google Maps iOS API that was released at the at the time, obviously when uh, Google Maps came out for app for iOS, and uh, they're building a service here that I think is indefensible and lacking of a direction and lacking of a business model, especially when they're using somebody else's data that will eventually compete in this space. But I, that's my assessment. Now Asif is going to walk us through what what this is exactly. So Google uh, Google Maps on the iOS side put out an SDK uh, just a little while ago uh, um, that enables people to leverage all of the uh, the Street View components uh, in particular uh, of their of their mapping capability. And so this is the first or they're claiming anyways. I don't know of any others. The first uh, implementation of that SDK, um, you know, layer on top of that. So Rome's, uh, you know, they're a local search company. Uh, they exist in web and mobile properties. Uh, and they're calling it a street view for social. So the idea of what they're trying to go for here is, is that 
you know, you're um, you're walking along, you do a, you do a search uh, for whatever pizza. It pulls up a map, um, and then you're able to visualize almost, you know, as you're walking and on your iPad. You know, you're viewing this on your iPad. You can tilt and twirl and and you know move your iPad around. Uh, you know, almost in an augmented reality way is how I visualize this. I haven't had a chance to play with it. But, you know, the and, and you're getting pop-ups positioned on the screen showing you where a pizza deal is or where a place is, um, you know, kind of popping onto the screen, you know, via the Street View technology. So, you know, nice that they were able to leverage the SDK. Um, I, I'm with you on this. Um, I think it's it's a very tough thing to defend against because at the end of the day, you know, why, you know, you know, what's to stop Google from, you know, saying, oh, we're turning that off now. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's like, there's just nothing, you know, you need to build your own stuff if you're going to go down this road. Um, and quite frankly, I think there's a lot of stuff you can do in the same framework using AR technology or using other things. Um, I mean, look at what um, the uh, the Valpac guys did uh, with the Genio, the AR guys. Same kind of thing, same kind of concept that we see here. You know, you're in, the, in their case, you're walking along with the Valpac uh, couponing app and using Geneo's augmented reality thing, as you're walking down the street, you get pop-ups, you know, pushed in in AR mode, uh, you know, showing you where there are retailers near you that have coupons, uh, Valpac, you know, blue envelope coupons, but in this case in a mobile augmented display. So I don't see anything really different here from that perspective. Um, and it's a lot less uh, defensible, um, you know, using this technology than, you know, uh, some AR stuff. I mean, adding value onto this, like all they're doing is recreating what Google already has, right? Uh, that's what I don't understand is that if, if you're going to rely on, on uh, you know, Google's data, then, then create a layer on top of that that is unique to what Google will do because Google has the install base, obviously, and the pent-up demand, obviously. And so to build something that Google can build has already built, uh, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. So this is a company that's obviously struggling to try to find its way. Yeah. Now I will say, without completely slamming rooms, the 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 search piece of what they have is very good. Um, you know, I have seen that before. Um, you know, so without this Google piece as rooms in terms of what they were doing before, I'm talking about now. Um, you know, it's really good because they 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 aggregate content. You know, from Foursquare, from Facebook, from Twitter. You know, in terms of putting uh, you know local assets and local data, you know, together in one place uh, as an aggregator, that's you know they've done a good job of that. Uh, so, in terms of helping you find what you need near you, instead of relying on just one uh, one input, at least they've got you know multiple inputs coming there, uh, and have done a good job of, of integrating that. But the same premise applies, right? It's still you know, if Foursquare turns off their API tomorrow, and so and you know, and, and Twitter and Facebook do too, and then what happens? What do you have? Yeah, What's left? Yeah, no, it's not. You just can't defend, and 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 we've seen this happen all the time. Twitter said that no, we'll never do that, but they did. I mean, and look what they did to their development community. Foursquare will do the same when the pressure comes that they need to generate revenue. They are going to close their ecosystem in order to be able to bring people into the Foursquare ecosystem and stop leveraging that data in order to be able to make money. It's what I mean. There's a pattern here, folks, and I think that the big challenge with Rome's is that they moved away from a serendipitous discovery and into really about. Um, 
uh, well, yeah, they, I mean, uh, searching, they went into discovery. And I think that this is this is beyond that. They just went back. They took three steps back with this app. Maybe they're just trying to demonstrate it. And it's cool being the first, but the first at what? I, I don't get it. So, you know, I'm hoping. But if you're interested in checking them out, go to Roams, R-O-A-M-Z. Dot com and this i it's an iPad app that we're talking about and it's not out yet uh, as of uh, this this as of January 4th it should be out sometime in the next week or so on iPad and then a different variation of it for the iPhone so r o a m z or z depending on what country you are dot com sorry roms i hope i hope for the best i just think you should bear down and focus on what you need to get done start making some money all right so uh, this is man i love this story how many times, Asif, have you been hammered in to a parking spot? Like, you know what? Like, you had a lot of space up front. The car left. Some guy or gal backs in and keeps you. So you like, you know, it's your the 19-point turn to get out of that parking spot that you parallel parallel parked in. Or the guy here in Ottawa, anyways, we have snow banks that are six feet high and six feet wide. And a two-lane street now is a one-lane street because we're in the middle of winter. And a guy just parks you know, with his end out a little bit so that the street is impassable, right? And you have to go around, you have to back up and turn around and the guy's just, he's a parking douche, right? The Village, an online city newspaper that really cares for the city and its citizens. Douche parking is a huge problem in cities in Russia. Okay, there aren't many places to park, but there are people who just don't care about others. The village.ru has decided to make such behavior socially unacceptable using digital media. We've created a free app. It takes pictures of wrongly parked cars, recognizes car number plates, the car model and color. The data is streamed live to banner ads that are targeted through an IP address. So people who live or work close to locations where these cars were parked see it. These banners appear as pop-ups on websites so you can see the actual car and its registration number that has been photographed, interrupting you while you're trying to read an online article. When you roll your cursor over the banner, it lets you know that this particular car is annoying people in a certain street in your city right now. In order to get rid of this annoying car, you simply share the photo of the parking douche on social media, such as Facebook. Then it'll disappear. Thanks to your IP address, only douches in your area will be highlighted so all the offenders will be exposed to their colleagues, friends and neighbours. Thanks to this naming and shaming campaign, more and more people are now caring about where and how they park. Exactly. He's a parking douche. Now there's a site in yeah, Russia. I absolutely love this story. Um, you know, and it's uh, it comes from Russia. So um, there's a newspaper uh, group uh, or an online city newspaper uh, there called The Village. Uh, you can find them at thevillage.ru uh, if you're looking for them. And uh, and so they put out a uh, a mobile app called Parking Douche. It's it's Android and iOS. And basically, what it does is, is is that you know you can go around and you can take uh, photos of people who've you know inappropriately parked, uh, or you know just made it harder for you as you just described to get out of a spot, or they've just they've just parked in a, in a in a in a, uh, in a bad way. And so you can take a photo, registration number, type, color, you can tag all that stuff along with it. And then what I really like about this is the next piece of it. It's not just taking photos and posting them. They, they then take that data and they stream it live to a pop-up banner ads that target people whose IP addresses are close to those locations of where those cars are parked. I mean, that is like, like the, that's pretty cool. So you're sitting, you're sitting in your office, you know, and, you know, a banner ad comes up on <laughs> your, on your, uh, whatever you're browsing. Um, and it, you know, and it's showing you like, you know, some guy whose car is parked inappropriately across the street. 
I mean, that's pretty cool. And I wonder if they've ever had somebody say, hey, wait, that's my car. You know, I think that would be the coolest circle ever. Ever. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm, I've actually reached out to these guys. We're going to try and uh, see if we can get some data on this or turn it into a case study or something. Well, I mean, I think this is so cool. When I was, when I was growing up, uh, you know, when I was much younger, before this whole digital revolution took over and smartphones and digital and, uh, you know, we didn't have to worry about mobile anything except for that, you know, you were mobile. And... Um, but we used to stick signs on windshield wipers that was basically Mickey Mouse giving the finger saying, you know, next time, next time you park here, leave a can open or asshole or something like that. And that's the equivalent to this. And I think that this is just, this is bigger. I almost think about it like a, the John camera, you know, for prostitution and Johns. Um, it's the same thing. It's like the humility that you feel because you're the douche that left your car there. I just, I think this is great. I think that this is, uh, this is fun. It's a fun use of this technology and good on them for doing this. Um, so this is, uh, this is pretty cool. So you would have seen the video by now. And, and uh, this is, this is what, uh, you know, the lighter side of digital technology. And, and uh, hopefully nobody was a Love it. So good, good on you. Parking douche. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, our fourth story, th this may be a little bit uh, of a longer story. So just to give you a heads up, because this is around uh, Google partnering with Kia. Uh, for uh, in-car navigation and in-car maps and awareness and discovery, and I think that this is a, this is this is something that's that's big. It has, I, th I think, far-reaching impact to other providers of this data as well, and just shows you how how important Google has become to the ecosystem, the the wayfinding ecosystem. And um, but this is but Kia is just one and just one of the latest that uh, that Google is packing on. Yeah, I mean, this, this is a big story because, you know, it kind of looks at the whole telematic space, which is, you know, going through uh, a lot of changes uh, or has been going through a lot of changes over the last uh, 12, 18 months and, and continues to do so. Um, you know, just, just in the way people are accessing maps in vehicle, uh, you know, we're seeing a big shift, obviously, away from, you know, sort of uh, personalized uh, devices, you know, uh, the Tom Toms and Garments to, you know, built-in uh, almost in every vehicle, any any new vehicle now has a built-in uh, nav system, um, and uh, and so what we're seeing here is you know companies like you know Google in this particular case with Kia, um, you know starting to uh, ramp up their sales efforts and, and work directly with the car manufacturers to get their technology in there, and um, and so in this case you have Google Maps, Google Places data uh, going into uh, Kia's UVO uh, platform. Uh, but we've seen, you know, Microsoft obviously working with Ford. Uh, we've seen, you know, BMW, uh, you know, working with um, with Navtech uh, in, in other markets. So, we're, you know, we're seeing this over and over again on a number of different, uh, you know, car manufacturers and and uh, sort of operating system uh, mobile platforms uh, all coming together. Yeah, and I mean, Google is working with Hyundai, uh, Audi, yep. uh, Daimler, Tesla Motors in order to implement some sort of Google implementation. Now, this could just be uh, send send a car, this send a car to techno yep. technology. But this this is really this used to be in the domain of Navtech and Garmin, and all of a sudden, uh, these guys are choosing a platform. Like the car makers are choosing Google as a platform over all of the other companies. And I think that this is once Google is in the car. This really is a, a uh, hard to hard to become hard hard for the other companies to, to get back into it once a platform's been chosen like this because I'm, what I'm thinking is that this is probably like a long term investment in this technology by these ma massive trend makers in automobiles to be able to bring Google into the into the car, but you know I always think like is this just a phase and. Um, 
will we will the device um, rise supreme in in this area? Like I, I use my I use Waze on my iPhone yep. as my navigation unit instead of having it, having it in in Dash. Um, so I wonder how this plays out with Google there uh, in Dash uh, based on operating system. And then where does where does Navtech fit in this? This is going to be like hurting Navtech. And then there's that last piece of it all, which is Apple signing deals yep. to bring Siri into the car. So you've got, I mean, this is, all of a sudden, the car is, telematics is, is a battleground for these giant companies. Microsoft, Google, Apple, Navtech, which is Nokia. Like, this is, this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think at the moment, I think you sort of have to look at it, you know, in, in terms of categories of functionality. Um, so on the one hand, if you look at voice technology, obviously Apple is leading that battle at the moment with Siri, uh, and, and they're, they're working with almost every car manufacturer uh, right now to try and bring that kind of uh, technology to bear. Uh, when you look at, uh, you know, sort of uh, OS in car, uh, there's a battle going on between Navtech and Google at the moment, you know, around, you know, sort of, you know, where that's going to go. And you mentioned, you know, Hyundai, uh, you meant, you know, Kia, which really is the same company. Um, Audi. You know, I mean, big, the, big brands like Audi. You know, Hyundai owns yeah. Kia. So, yeah. um, you know, so they're working with Google uh, in this case. Uh, Navtech's working with BMW, Mercedes, uh, Volkswagen, you know, so, so a lot of the German uh, manufacturers uh, have been working with them. You know, so, so you have a, a battle for OS uh, in car. And then I think, you know, the other piece which you alluded to is the Senta car piece. And, and I think personally, I think that's the one where, you know, there's the most uh, opportunity right now to, fr from a visibility perspective with the consumer. Because, you know, if, I, if I'm an Android user on a mobile, uh, from a mobile perspective as, as a consumer, well, then I want to be able to send stuff into my car from my mobile phone to the car uh, system. Uh, and so I want that to work on any car, and, and I think Google's, you know, is trying to address that and sitting down with every car company, saying, you know, you you, you want to work with us. There's a significant uh, user base of Android uh, smartphones out there, and people want to be able to send stuff from their Android phone into the car. And the same goes for Apple, and and the same goes for uh, for Nokia. So I think on a send to car capability, I think you're going to see. Uh, broad support across all automobile manufacturers for all the major platforms. Yeah, I, I I don't have anything to add to that. I just think that this is a fascinating battle. Simply simply put, this is not. Uh, you know, I, I keep coming, but there was there was an Internet World article. This is how old it is, like mid mid nineties ninety six ninety seven, where they talked about the uh, you know Internet in a car and wouldn't be that that be great. And everybody said, "Are you kidding? That's the worst thing I've ever heard." And here we are. It's taken a long time. I mean, fifteen years, sixteen years is a long time for that to come. But uh, it wasn't it wasn't brought by broadband to the to the car. It's brought by through um, you know mobile devices to the car. And I think that this is this is a very cool space. And there are a lot of a lot of people playing in in here, a lot of money to be made in here because you've got a captive audience. And and you know all you start to see is this kind of enabling of services. So once you get the maps in from Google, then what's to stop them from doing uh, you know bringing in social networking, uh, bringing in the email clients, and then w w start to think about this partnering with Netflix or Hulu to bring in broadcast. And, and all of a sudden, it's no longer about cable or DVDs in the car. It's about uh, Hulu and Netflix uh, broadcasting uh, over the air to, to these cars instead of uh, DVDs. I think that this is just a fascinating place to watch. And I, I, can't, I can't tell you how, how, how cool this is. And, and it will happen very quickly. That's all we know. It'll happen very quickly. Once Google's in there, yeah. 
Without yeah. doubt. So Google partnering with Kia for in-car navigation and apps and discovery. And uh, this is just step one of uh, this infiltration of our autom automobiles. It's, it's, I think it's pretty cool. One of the other companies that we didn't talk about was RIM. Like, oddly enough, we didn't talk about RIM. RIM, uh, because they bought uh, QNX and that operating system, the QNX operating system, it powers automobiles already, right? They have a great in-car experience with the QNX operating system. It hasn't been BlackBerryified or anything like that. Um, but uh, they're another player in this space that uh, when it comes to telematics that we haven't talked about. And it's very interesting. This is a battle. All of a sudden, cars are... are we'll see. I mean, BB10 is supposed to be, uh, you know, just weeks away yeah. now. January 30th. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Right. So, uh, yeah, I agree, though. Um, there's definitely a role for them to play there. Uh, you know, a lot of people are waiting, and it's it's going to be a complete, uh, you know, uh, resurgence for them in terms of at least, you know, holding what they have, um, uh, or it's going to be, you know, just the final uh, nail in the coffin to say, okay, you know, it's it's Android or iPhone, and, and that's it. I think uh, I think the writing's been on the wall for a long time. Uh, you know, so we'll we, used have, uh, we used to have we used to have a litmus test. Right. We we had a litmus test about RIM, and I just want to say this is that we had this litmus test. Whenever they were about to release a device, how many uh, executives would we see carrying that device around? That would kind of indicate the readiness of the device. And so when the curve came out a long time ago, we saw a lot of people carrying those devices everywhere they went. Uh, how many people have you seen walking around with a BBOS 10 device? Right? Like how many executives? Many. I, I've been to a lot of events and I haven't seen a lot. There are a lot in the developers' hands and they're not happy with them. I've not seen a lot of executives using them and they are 26 days away from launch. That, that's, that's a big sign. All right, back to location-based marketing stuff. Our last story, we're going to watch this video and uh, we're going to come back. This is freaking awesome. Yeah, I'm at the Nike store. There he is. He's getting the message. There's a promotion for Beatback. I think so. Yep. Yeah, we got him. Sick Meatpack is the trendiest shoe store in Guatemala, a brand known for its edgy, cutting style and a store known for its unique discounts in limited edition kicks including brands like Adidas, Nike and Reebok. An icon for the sneakerhead subculture with over 60,000 fans on their fan page in less than a year. They needed to launch a new promotion to lift up to their hardcore fans, an innovative way to earn your discount. We created Hijack, an enhancement for the official Meatpack app used by our customers. Using GPS tracking technology that marks every competitor's store of the brand sold at Meatpack, so every time one of our sneakerheads enters one of the stores, it triggers a special notice with a promotion. Hijack sends an alert to the person's mobile with a discount that starts at 99% and decreases by 1% every second that goes by, making the countdown stop until you reach our store. More than 600 customers were hijacked from the competitors in a week. One customer, Pedro Rodriguez, got a record-breaking 89% discount. This is the first promo campaign that started the sale in the competitors' stores. I absolutely love this too. This this is the kind of stuff you know. You know, we talk a lot about you know um, driving revenue and you know conversion and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, getting people into your store, you know, and, and away from your competitor is, is always at the heart of every retail, uh, you know, retail marketers, uh, you know, thinking. And 
you know, this is in Guatemala, folks. This is in Guatemala, okay? This is not the U.S. of A. This is not, you know, in uh, in Sweden. This is not in Canada. This is in Guatemala. So Meatpack, a shoe, uh, which is a shoe store company, um, and, uh, you know, they compete with uh, Nike and, and Adidas and, you know, it's a you know, local brand. They've got, they put on an app, a campaign called Hijack. And uh, basically the way it works, very simply, you saw the video there. The way it works is, is that when you, as a potential customer, walk into a competitor store, they've geofenced those competitor stores using, you know, GPS capabilities. And the minute you walk into a store uh, on this app, it pops up a countdown timer, okay? that starts at, you know, 100. And basically, you know, it, it just counts down, it's in seconds, okay? Um, and, and it's counting down the time it takes you to, you know, when you see this, uh, this timer start to get from your, com the competitor store into their store. And whatever time is left when you walk in, uh, that's the discount that you get off of their shoes. One guy got an 89% discount, okay? It's one percent per second. So I, I, I am uh, I, I absolutely love this. I just I, I can't imagine scaling this. But from from that one example, there's got to be something out there that you guys you guys yeah, can do. They had six hundred like in, in one week when they ran this. They had six hundred people yeah. do this. That's six hundred sales that were in other people's stores, driven to yours. Like that that to, this is this is aggressive. This is using this technology to its greatest capabilities, and it's it's showing success in where where you know it, and so unique, so innovative, the time based. Yeah. And I believe this is you know we give credit where credits due. I think this is uh, Sachi and Sachi yeah. uh, came up with this one. For wow! Them. So well, there you go. Good on that man. Like I I I saw this. I, I died. I thought this was this was incredible. This was a really good use. So Sachi and Sachi, if that is in fact who did this, I tip my hat to you. So you've seen the video, uh, and uh, what else can you say? Enjoy that and, and learn from that. Is there anything that you can replicate? Go, I don't care, steal that idea, Sachi and Sachi. Absolutely. Yeah, like there's lots of things you can do with something like that. Time-based deals, geofencing. It's the perfect example of, of what we've been talking about here for two years, folks. God, love it. Somebody's listening. All right, those are the top five stories. You know, we averted the fiscal cliff. We've got Google in every car. Uh, we've got Google everywhere when it comes to mapping. We've got the parking douche, and of course, we got uh, Meat Pack uh, and their hijack uh, campaign. Uh, what else do you want on a January 4th, a blustery January 4th, 2013? If uh, you have any stories out there, if you were thinking of something that should have been in here, if you have an idea for a story, if you want to submit something, please reach out. RobinOnTether.tv or Seif at the LVMA.com. We will include them in here some way, shape, or form. Maybe they're not suitable for a top story, but maybe they are, in fact, good to support the top story. We'd love to hear from more examples of, you know, if you've got an example of a great campaign that you've run in the location-based world, like the Meatpack campaign, let's highlight that. Let's share that. You've used it. Let other people use it. Let's share. So the, the theme of 2013 has got to be about sharing. See, how's that? I'm all with you on share that. Share everything. All right, you had an opportunity to sit down with Greg McAllister, who's the uh, co-founder and CEO of Pushpoint Mobile. What was this? Who is this? Can't wait to hear about it. Tell, let's talk about this. Talk about your conversation. Set this up, man. So uh, earlier, uh, in, before the holidays, actually, I had a chance to sit down with uh, Greg McAllister, who's co-founder and CEO of Pushpoint Mobile, another great LVMA member company, and uh, we're re really happy to have him on board. And, and these guys are... 
really interesting, as you'll hear in, in this uh, in this interview, that uh, you know a lot of the companies we talk about are so focused on the consumer uh, market, whereas these guys are really focused on you know sort of B two B you know platform licensing and, and so on around location based uh, and mobile services. So here it is, uh, Greg McAllister, co-founder and CEO, of Pushpoint Mobile. Well, it's that time again where we get to bring on a special guest, and this week it's my pleasure to have Greg McAllister, co-founder and CEO of Pushpoint Mobile, join us. Greg, welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Thank you very much. Very excited to be here. Hi, everybody. Yeah, so first of all, you know, really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to do this. Uh, Pushpoint's based in San Francisco. We've got a lot of great member companies like you guys out there. So first of all, we're happy to have you as part of the LBMA. But you know, maybe just to kick things off, can you share with, with our audience uh, you know, just who is Pushpoint Mobile? What are you guys all about? Sure. Um, so Pushpoint is a location-based marketing platform for local business, so for retailers of all sizes. Um, what, uh, some, some of the big differences, though, is that we focus on channel partner reach to small merchants. We're not looking to build our own brand necessarily. We'd like to leverage brands that the merchants are already comfortable working with. Uh, and so we work today with a large retail bank and a large platform for extension to their small business channel. Uh, another big difference is that we're primarily focused on customer acquisition versus a loyalty play, which has a lot of a lot of value in loyalty. A lot of companies focused on that space. We're looking to find consumers in range of the business, drive in foot traffic, and ultimately impact top line sales for the for the merchant. Um, and so as a result of that, we're not an app, we're all in browser, we focus on paid advertising as our reach, and ultimately we work with, the, the, with a franchisor or a uh, payment platform or directly with merchants to in in integrate with their point of sale to be able to attribute in-store sales data back to the advertising data so that in the self-service tool, the merchant can see very easily what's working and what's not and they feel empowered to manage these campaigns themselves. Great. So I heard a lot of a lot of interesting things there first of all. So, you know, you're not consumer facing, you're you know, you're a back-end provider, you're doing a lot of private or white labeling, uh, you're empowering merchants and, and, and retailers uh, you know, to kind of, you know, build this into into their own solution sets. And and the other thing I, I heard you say is, you know, you're all about customer acquisition, not loyalty. So so you're about helping them drive you know, traffic, increasing footfall, um, you know, those kinds of things. So right. you, you mentioned channel partners. Um, you know, I know you work with a lot of channel partners. Can you give us an example of, you know, how you've helped, you know, one in particular? Sure. Um, I'll talk about a couple, and I think in doing so, it'll kind of reflect the flexibility of the system that we've built. Um, one of our customers is a large retail bank based on the West Coast where they want to sit in between their merchant clients and their consumers on the retail side, allowing the merchants to use our self-service tools, branded as the banks, to create and manage location-based offer campaigns that are distributed into their mobile wallet application. Thereafter, it's very integrated, the consumer experience is very seamless. Um, for uh, our other uh, major customer, uh, which is the largest payment platform in the U.S., we're integrated into their mobile POS and mobile checkout system. Um, allowing the merchant, again, to use self-service tools to create the, the campaigns, distribute them to consumers within range, and everything is integrated into the point of sale. In their case, distribution is through email, through social channels, 
And then independent of those focuses, we can also buy in real time uh, ad impressions on mobile devices within range of the store. A lot of that can be done on a performance basis today. It can be done with a, a you know a lat long overlay in in a growing number of cases. And so we want to act more like a, uh, a customer acquisition engine that can employ all of these different channels and reach as many consumers in range of the business as possible. Right. And so when you think about the you know sort of the location aspects of, of what you you know provide in your platform. And then you think about you know the the types of, uh, of of channel partners and merchants that you're powering. I mean, is is there a particular gap that you sort of saw in the market that needed to be addressed? And, you know, and and the other thing I'm really excited about is is that you know we see so many consumer facing solutions out there, and, and not a lot of great platforms that are sort of you know back end sitting behind the scenes aren't, that aren't trying to build their own brand out there. So why did you take that approach? Well. Uh, fundamentally, we felt like the app model in retail is very challenged, right? If you're not Nordstrom's, you're not CVS, it's very difficult to get enough users to acquire, you know, acquire enough users to use your app to get them using the content and have access to promotions that you would distribute within it. So, um, you know, starting even at the top level, we felt like there was value we could provide in being able to extend the reach of an offer beyond the sort of, uh, you know, the bottleneck of, a, of an application download. But even at the other end, the long tail, the long tail merchant, um, the small merchant, uh, we feel like they're somewhat disenfranchised with respect to their access to location-based marketing tools, which you know, arguably, mobile is becoming everything, and of course, location-based is primarily mobile-focused. Uh, as the digital circular replaces the local circular, you know, the print circular, print listings go away. Local service providers have. Uh, you know, are, are retooling to, to sell digital. Um, in this time gap and in that market gap, we felt like there's an opportunity to serve um, a, a type of merchant that is growing, it has, is, is getting more and more confused with the options in, in mobile marketing today, um, is having difficulty measuring mobile's effectiveness and attributing it to in-store sales, and ultimately gaining access to these types of systems at an economical you know, level to make sense for their business and the amount of time they want to spend working on marketing. Yep. Um, there's a lot of impact that we can have there and, and doing that through brands that or, or you know, uh, software or technology services they're already using makes it that much easier for them to adopt it. It's fantastic. So, you know, and it's, uh, it's really great that, that you're going after the market in that way. I think, you know, there's a lot of challenges out there for, for merchants and retailers today. There's a lot of noise. Uh, you know, in terms of just a plethora uh, of solutions, um, you know, and everybody knocking on their door, um, you know, coming at them from, from all different angles. But, but I like the approach that you're taking, and uh, I really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us today and sharing a little bit of insight into uh, what is Pushpoint Mobile. So, again, for our audience, I've uh, been chatting today with Greg McAllister, co-founder and CEO of Pushpoint Mobile. For more information on them and, and their uh, solution sets, you can go to www.pushpointmobile.com uh, to learn more. And uh, again, just th thanks for being on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. It's been an absolute pleasure. Happy holidays, everybody. Cheers. So that was, uh, again, Greg McAllister. Uh, we really appreciate uh, Greg taking the time to share with us. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for, uh, as a business, uh, you know, a retailer, a restaurant chain, or, or you're a, a platform uh, that's looking for functionality around you know, how to integrate uh, 
analytics and couponing and all of that into what you're doing, yeah, it's a great place to start. So take a look, Pushpoint Mobile um, and Greg McAllister. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Pushpointmobile.com. Really appreciate people coming on. If you'd like to be a guest, reach out on Tether. Well, you can reach out at Robin on Tether.tv or Seif at the LVMA.com. And hey, pitches. We'd love to have you on here. We have a great reach now. So let's help spread the word. Let's spread the love like we just did with Greg. Thanks, Greg. All right, we've got a few more items of business before we end this week. The first one is around our funding and M&A activity. First story is my favorite company on the whole planet. My favorite company. I love this company. It's the greatest company on the planet. No, wait. Oh, no, no, no. We're talking about Groupon. Well, Groupon's spending a little bit of money that uh, that they have, what uh, little they have left. Uh, they bought a company called Commerce Interface. Then now this isn't for core Groupon. This is for their Amazon competitive product, isn't it? Yeah, so, um, <laughs> you know, I, I love your comment about, you know, what little money they have left, and it's sort of true. But but here, here's the interesting thing is, is Commerce Interface, from what I can tell, is a company who actually makes money. Yes, um, from so, Groupon. You know, uh, you know, in some respects, Groupon's actually, you know, I think this is is a good acquisition. Well, wait a second, though. The valuation is not crazy. Asif. Uh, see, but this is this is this is a company. This is a company called uh, Commerce Interface, and their their number one client was Groupon. So yeah. they made money from Groupon. So now, let, well, yeah, I mean, so they're getting some of it back. How's well, I'm that? just trying to think of so so they bought they bought a company. <laughs> Isn't that what we call, we call that horizontal integration in business in business world, right? Uh, wow. Um, yeah. 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 Anyhow. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, did you see an actual number on this on this acquisition? I didn't. No, um, no. Uh, but the thing is that I saw something about a uh, 1.5 uh, billion in in in, uh, in global buildings. Well, yeah. So that's that's what uh, um, Groupon's uh, service, uh, which is the uh, that that. Uh, pardon me. This is. Is that how much they've been paying these guys? Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, Groupon Goods. Yeah. Groupon Goods has done $1.5 billion worth of revenue flow through, right? And and uh, right. so this company, which is uh, Commerce Interface, basically brings together all these uh, disparate uh, um, products right. into one interface. And and so you can see the, the marriage there. But they're saying that Commerce Interface has had no funding and, it, you know, has no, has no, uh, no outside funding and has been, I think they, they were founded in 2007 and, and they seem to be, sustaining themselves but they grew to a point where uh, you know Groupon was all consuming so all of their revenue or a good portion of their revenue came through uh, apparently from the articles that I read through Groupon so obviously it makes sense for Groupon to buy them but they're, they're not Groupon's not buying revenue <laughs> they're just basically buying an expense you know they're buying an expense they're bringing it in-house yeah. to control costs how's that uh, I you know I I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know much about this company. I do know that they provide a valuable service to Groupon Goods, and and Groupon Goods is apparently this this company that is going to compete with Amazon, or a, a, you know a division of of uh, Groupon that is going to compete with Amazon in the real goods uh, discount space, not the coupon space. But um, who, who knows? I didn't see a number, but I, I I I mean, this this could be this is probably a good buy for for Groupon if they were spending a lot of money with this company to begin with. Yeah. So. All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're interested in, uh, you know, you can go to, uh, I think it's commerceinterface.com, but all they tell you is basically, hey, we were bought by Groupon. So, um, yeah, it's now part of the Groupon family. So Groupon buys Commerce Interface for next to nothing or just a, a swap, an expense, a revenue for expense. All right. Can we move on to the second story? 
I, I, yeah, know, I love Groupon so much. I like, we could talk about it all day. Um, second story is a company called, uh, what is this? Uh, an Indian company called Squeaky. Squeaky, yeah. Uh, so they raised an angel round, um, you know, small, small round, um, and about, about a half million bucks. And, um, you know, this is, this is a company that we don't know a lot about yet because um, they, they haven't officially launched. I understand they've been in, in sort of a beta mode. Uh, but uh, it's a, uh, a search engine for finding uh, location-based offers. Uh, so they've been working with uh, bricks-and-mortar uh, retailers as well as online retailers in India uh, and, and basically putting, you know, all these offers together in a search engine um, format. So, you know, instead of you, you know, just going and finding, you know, the offers from one particular retailer or finding, you know, a, uh, you know or, or obviously signing up to, as you do, to all the uh, Gap company uh, email blasts um, and only getting their stuff, uh, you know, from a... Uh, effectively building a local search engine uh, just to target and find offers around you. So uh, there's a lot of these out there, um, but you know maybe not so much in the Indian market. And um, you know we'll see where this one goes. But you know, half a million bucks to get it done. That's probably a good investment. Um, uh, a good investment amount. I'm not sure about the business model, but a good investment amount. And so Squeaky raises. I found a website. It's squeaky.com. S Q U E A. KEE.com. And in fact, this is the company, uh, but it, it's uh, certainly there's not a lot in Ottawa. Um, so, half yep. a million bucks. Uh, last uh, funding story is a company called, okay, Kairos? Kairos? Kairos, I'll, I'll go with yeah, that. Kairos? Yes, shortage of domain names now. We're definitely into uh, into the, into this. Uh, tell us about this company. Uh, this is this. It, you must love this because it's right in your analytics, big data. Oh, sweet spot. It is the new oil. Man. Come on. Um, yeah. So I love this uh, it, for two reasons. One is it's about data. Two is is it's about healthcare data. Uh, we don't talk a lot about healthcare on this show. Uh, but you know, data is data, and, and location-based stuff can be used in all sorts of different industries. And, and I like what they're doing here. So it's a Boston-based company. Um, they raised 11 million dollars. It's a Series B round for them. Um, they've been around for uh, for uh, about two years, just over two years. Launched in 2010, um, and, and so in total, they've raised almost 20 million bucks now. Uh, the new investors here are Fidelity Biosciences and Lux Capital. So Fidelity is in, in Boston, Lux is out of New York, uh, and previously they had Highland Capital and Ben Rock uh, involved. So they got they got some serious uh, serious VC uh, backing behind this company. Uh, and what they're doing is is they're digging into data and they're trying to find out which doctors are most efficient at which procedures and why. Um, you know, with the ultimate goal of, you know, if you, if you can pull that data together and you have access to that data, it helps you uh, understand and helps you minimize costs uh, around, you know, uh, care provision, hospitals, you know, a whole bunch of different things. And, and you know, so what's the location element to that, you might say? Well, you know, for me, it, it, it's that, you know, if I can improve healthcare for patients and I can prevent, you know, um, sort of you know costs that don't need to be there by leveraging data so if I can understand that you know there's a specialist who can serve you know the particular needs of this uh, patient instead of having somebody travel out of their jurisdiction to go to a, a specialist you know that might be you know on reputation or something you know might be uh, you know recommended and, and so they travel from you know uh, Atlanta you know to go to Savannah 
you know, to, uh, to, to get care because they heard, you know, some guy over there is, you know, a great doctor. But, you know, you actually have data that says there's a local doctor in Atlanta that can do that, you know, and, 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 and that data to back that up. You know, there, there's cost savings there, right, you know, across the system. So it is about understanding, you know, location um, in, in that context and, and finding and matching, you know, by, you know, and partnering up based on, on real data. Data is the beginning. It's what you do with that data that's that's most important. Yeah. And we're starting to see this across all, uh, you know, all areas of business and practices. And, and healthcare, I think, is is really a key one. I, I sat down with uh, Jacqueline Thong, who is the founder of a company called uh, Ubiqui Health, and and you know, it's almost along the same lines that they they're, they're taking the data, they're taking the big data of what they're collecting. They have thirty thousand people that are using an app to uh, track migraines. And this is just a small thing, right? Migraines are a, you know, a, a black hole. The brain is a black hole when it comes to migraines. Certain things work with certain people, but they're tracking patterns and, and they're tracking where you are, the barometric pressure, the temperature, what you've eaten, when you get them, how they respond, what drugs respond, what, you know, if caffeine helps you, like my, my wife's, uh, you know, when she feels a migraine coming on, she takes, uh, you know, a couple of Advil and a Red Bull. Uh, and it seems to, you know, kill the symptoms. So those are the kind of things that they're tracking. They're putting up into the cloud. And then based on location, they're going to be able to tell you, you know, um, the thing, maybe predict a migraine coming down the road or, or have somebody who is uh, who is prone to migraines on a certain day with foods. I, I mean, big data is 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 a piece of this and uh, is a huge piece of this. And I love the fact that these companies are starting to come out now that are uh, that are leveraging this data more so uh, than any any time before. Like this is a clinical trial with 30,000 people. Like that's and and I think that that's where why I love this story um, about uh, Kyrus Kyrus. I wish I knew how to say it, but uh, and uh, you know if you have any examples about these kind of things out there where data is uh, with a location layer helping people, helping patients, helping doctors like this, please reach out and let us know. Those are the uh, those are the three stories. Those are them. Groupon buying a, a company called uh, Commerce Interface. Squeaky raises a small angel round, and Kairos, who we've totally butchered their name now, raises $11 million Series B. Very cool. If your story is not up there, why the hell not? Start bragging. Maybe it was over Christmas. You got a check from your grandma. You got a little bit of extra cash and an envelope. It's a piece of investment. If you're going to put it into your business, reach out. Let us know. We'd love to feature you some way, shape, or form. One last piece. That's it. Asif, and then we're done. There you go. Our resource of the week. This is something, uh, this is done by First Data. It is basically a primer for the mobile wallet. That's the best way I can describe it. Yeah, and a good one at that. Uh, you know, uh, you can find this up at uh, the LVMA.com forward slash research. Um, it's called Transforming the Customer Experience, the Promise of Mobile Wallets. And so, I mean, obviously there's tons of talk. We talk on the show uh, enough about mobile wallets and, and almost every week, uh, or at least not the first week of January necessarily, but uh, every week uh, leading up to the holidays, there was like a new mobile wallet or some something uh, gets announced in the space. But for those of us who, who aren't living and breathing this every day, and you're looking for that sort of basic primer on, you know, what is a mobile wallet? You know, what, you know what's this segment of the industry talking about? What does it mean for customers? This is a great little uh, primer document that they put out. So, again, uh, from First Data, transforming the customer experience, the promise of mobile wallets. Yeah, it, it is that. It's a good, quick read, 13 pages, covers everything from... 
uh, NFC to QR codes and how it helps enable, and even starts on how do you know how do you, how do you start going down this path of uh, of mobile wallets and. Yeah, I like that. So go to uh, the lbma.com forward slash research. It's the first thing you see there. First data transforming the customer experience. Well, that is it. Those are the big stories of the past week and our great resource. And of course, our great guest, Greg McAllister. Before we go, I, we mentioned this. I mentioned this last week on our prediction show, which you should probably go and watch now if you're intrigued, uh, that see if we sat down and you and I actually were asked to pen a chapter each for an upcoming book. Uh, this book is the Everything Guide to Mobile Apps. It is um, coming out sometime in January. This was actually put together by Peggy Ann Saltz. Go Peggy! And uh, Jennifer Morantz, uh, who uh, who brought in probably, I, I don't know, 20 um, experts in their field in the mobile space to t to contribute to this book. So there's 20 of us or so that have actually written chapters in this book, the Everything Guide to Mobile Apps. Uh, you know what? I don't know. It's cheap. I see it here as twelve dollars and twenty-one cents, um, but this is something that's definitely worthwhile if you want to support what we're doing here. And it, it, you know, it was a fun project to work on. So please, it's called the Everything Guide to Mobile Apps. It should be out in late January. And nothing left to say except for when that book comes out, buy the book, and uh, let us know how we're doing here. Episode number one hundred and eleven is done. But please, we'd love some feedback. We'd love some insight. We'd love some inspiration. Please reach out. You know the email address is robinuntether.tv or seif at the lbma.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rob Woodbridge or at Asif R. Khan. You can like us up on Facebook. You can do whatever you want. Uh, you can send smoke signals, give us a call, uh, Skype us, whatever. We will be there for you. Just let us know how we can help and what, we, what we're missing in the show. And please, feedback is always important. It's going to be a great year for us, for the industry, for you as businesses. We want to make sure that this is the most relevant hour you spend in location-based marketing. Because there is no other podcast that does this. Absolutely, and, and, and you know, on, on that note, we you know we appreciate you taking time out of uh, your schedules to listen and to watch us every week. Uh, you know, it's been a blast uh, putting this together uh, every week. We we love doing it, um, and uh, we're going to continue doing it. And you know, we've, we've got a great audience now, and it's all of you that are out there watching. Uh, you know, a huge following, and, and so we appreciate that. And. Because we have that, if you're out there listening and, and you're your company uh, and you want some exposure, not just you know talking this story, uh, uh, you know us covering you, but uh, you know we're certainly open to sponsorship as well. So uh, you know feel free to connect to us on, on that front. And with that, you know thanks for uh, watching uh, episode number one hundred and eleven. See you next week, everybody.